Thank you. Thank you for waking us up this morning, God. Thank you, Father, for life, health, and strength. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, for all of the things, God, that we take for granted. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the things that we don't notice. Thank you for keeping us from danger seen and unseen, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are greater than we can even imagine, God. You are mightier, God, than we can even fathom, Lord. You are larger, Father. You're more powerful and, and greater. You're bigger. You're more vast. You're deeper. You're wider, Father God. Hallelujah. 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 God, we bless you. We honor you. We give you space to be yourself. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for the privilege of being in your presence bless your holy name god hallelujah 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 jesus bless your name we bless your name god hallelujah jesus hallelujah jesus glory to your name jesus bless your name god holy 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 are you lord you're holy, you're worthy, you're mighty, you're matchless, God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you for your peace. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Lord, we are humbled. We are humbled in your presence, God. We are humbled in your presence, Lord. We are humbled in your presence, God. You are so great and we're not even worthy, Lord, but we are humbled. We're humbled. We're humbled that a God as big as you, that a God as mighty as you would even take notice of us, Father. We are humbled. We are humbled, Lord, at your humility that we matter to you even in the slight we are humbled we're humbled Lord at who you are we're humbled we're amazed by what you do but we are humbled by who you are we can't even put together in our minds how much you love us Father but we are grateful we say thank you Lord Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you in everything we give you thanks. We give you thanks, God. We bless your name. Hallelujah. Thank you. 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 Help us, Lord. Help us to never be, to not be so overwhelmed with life that we forget how wonderful you are, how mighty you are. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Church, it is important. It is important 
that we allow ourselves continuously, not just one time, behind a miracle or something that we think was big that God did. It is important that we allow ourselves to be awed in awe of God. And if you yeah. don't understand what that means, just think of something that has caused you to say, wow, that you didn't even have the words to describe how that thing affected you or made you feel. And all you could do is kind of sit and be still and take in the moment. You can't even put together in your mind exactly what you're feeling, but you know you can be still and fully engage in the moment and being there. That's what it means to be in awe of God. And it doesn't have to be after something big happens. Let yourself just, just walk through your day and just stop right where you stand and wow. Breathe it in. I'm telling you, you can breathe it in. Because when you acknowledge how wonderful and how big and how mighty he is, he comes to where you are immediately. And you have the opportunity to breathe him in. Just breathe him in. Breathe him in this morning. Breathe him in. Breathe him in. The whole reason you are able to breathe is because he made it to be so. Isn't that amazing? That he breathed into us and the, the breath that he breathed into us made us alive. We were nothing until he breathed into us. Nothing. There was no activity, no, no nothing. As nothing as you can imagine. That was us before he breathed his, his live living breath into us. Who else can do that? Who else could have done? Breathe, breathe him in. Did you know that one definition of breath is the word inspiration? Did you know that? Every breath you take is an inspiration. Let every breath you take inspire you to be in awe of him. Let it inspire. There's nothing wrong with standing still and being in awe of God. It is healthy for our lives. It is healthy for our hearts and our spirits to remain in awe of God. See, because we get used to things, you know, him doing good things. We get used to stuff very, very easily. Let it happen once or twice. Give me something good once or twice and I'm used to a good thing and now I'm just expecting good stuff because that's just what you do. But you have to take time to allow yourself to be in awe of God. Because whether he's doing something or not, he's the same God who's capable of doing it. Be in awe of him. Let him, let, let him make you say, wow. Let him take your breath away. He'll give it back. He gave it to you in the first place. Breathe him in. Breathe him in. And don't worry, you, you can let your breath out because he's not leaving you because you breathe out. Chris explained to us this morning about when you breathe in, you breathe in one thing, but when you exhale, you exhale something else. 
what you breathe in, it's, it's still there. Breathe him in. Breathe him in. He's not going anywhere. Breathe him in. him because you're responding to who he is and pastor John talked to us a while ago about engaging this, the presence of God engaging the Holy Spirit and we're gonna welcome him this morning he's already here but when you go to somebody's house don't you like it when when you feel welcome there they say come on in, make yourself comfortable don't go in my refrigerator but you know anything else take your shoes off just come in and be be at home Move how you see fit. That's what we want to do for the Lord this morning. Now, he's already here, and he doesn't actually need our permission, but that's an, that's an act of commanding our, ourselves, our flesh. That's an act of commanding our flesh to welcome him and to submit to him. So we're going to welcome him. We're going to engage him. And we're going to enjoy being in awe. We're going to just enjoy it. We're going to enjoy his presence. We're going to enjoy it. He's a God of joy. He is a God of, of peace and love and all things that are good. And we're going to enjoy that. We're going to enjoy it. Do we want to enjoy him this morning? Yes, let's enjoy him together. Let's enjoy him together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Bless your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Hallelujah. Let every eye be fixed upon King Jesus. Let every tribe and tongue prepare the way. Let every heart be filled with expectation. Because the King is coming. The King is coming, open the doors and come let the light in, people get ready, get ready to worship Him, open the doors up, come let the light in, people get ready, bow down and worship Him, we're singing. Holy is the Lord our God Almighty, who was and is and forever will be. Worthy of the honor and power and glory, lift up your praise and welcome Jesus, 
doesn't lie and he's if we know he's coming let's make an atmosphere for him to be welcome hallelujah 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 glory bless your name bless your name bless your name hallelujah God has perfect timing he has perfect timing so whenever he shows up it's the right time whenever he shows up it's the perfect time hallelujah hallelujah and until until then what will we do We'll welcome him. We'll make his place. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. We will wait on you. We will wait on you, Jesus. We'll wait on you. Hallelujah. We'll wait on you. We'll wait on you. We will wait on you. We'll wait patiently until you get here. Come and move. We say yes to you. We already have a yes prepared. Come and move. We say yes to you. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We say yes to you. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Exceedingly, abundantly. Above all that, we ask for thing exceedingly, abundantly. Above all that, we ask for thing exceedingly, exceedingly, abundantly. Above all that, we ask for thing exceedingly, abundantly. Above all that, we ask for thing exceedingly, abundantly. Above all that. We ask for things exceedingly, abundantly, above all that. We ask for things. Your presence, God, is full. Hallelujah. It overflows with all the good things about you, Father. Oh, 
right now, God. We say yes. 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 Right now, God. We say yes. 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 We say
to the balm of Gilead that, 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 that heals all things to the blood of Jesus that cleanses us white as snow. We say yes. We say yes. We say yes to the mighty warrior dressed for battle named Jesus. We say yes. Yes. Jesus, to you coming back, we say yes. To sing that we're not and you are, we say yes. To sing things that are impossible with man are possible with God, we say yes. To sing the goodness of our God in the land of the living for the glory of the King, we say yes. To a godly marriage, we say yes. To being godly parents, we say yes. To being godly friends, we say yes. To loving our neighbor who's unlovable, we say yes. To the grace that passes even any kind of understanding or reason, we say yes. 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 To Jesus, you being the king of our lives, the king of it all, we say, come on church, we say yes. Yes, yes, yes. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in our lives, in this church, in our nation, in our world, as it is in heaven. In the name of Jesus we pray, and together we say yes, and amen, and amen, and amen. Come on, can we give God just a praise for who He is? Not even what He does, who He is. You're amazing. You're incredible. You're awesome, God. Hallelujah, we say yes. Woo! First of all, thank you. Thank you. See, the one thing we have to know is that life isn't always as it appears. Platform life looks so pure, so easy. And yet every person up here had to say yes before they stood up here today. Sometimes that yes comes easy because the week has been easy or life has been good or we got a promotion or a friend got healed or maybe a parent got reconciled. But sometimes the yes is harder because you lost a friend. Because the life in the week wasn't as great as your expectations hoped it would be. All of us in this room, we get the opportunity to say yes to Him in both pain and pleasure. At both the mountaintop moments and the valleys that seem like the shadow of darkness will swallow us whole. But the good news is there's peace in all of it. Because peace doesn't come from the praise that's being led from the stage peace comes from the praise that comes from the people crying out to their king Jesus I can't you can 
What a God we serve who says, I don't need you to because I am able. I am. I was. I am. I will be. I'll never change. If I did it before, I'll do it again. If I healed yesterday, I'll heal tomorrow. If I saved back then, I'll save you now. If I brought peace to them, I can bring peace to you. We serve a God that never changes. So we have to become established to not be changeable in the changing circumstance. We are wishing that nothing changes, but faith is manifest in the uncomfortable. We need the uncomfortable to see faith move. Anybody like the uncomfortable? Give me what no one likes the uncomfortable. But this is what I know. I like the results of my faith stepping out in the uncomfortable. That's what it means what you prayed today when you sang. Jesus, yes, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I'm going through it. I wish I could walk by it. I wish I could ignore it. I wish I could just leave the broken man by the side of the road and go about my business. But I know that man is bleeding out. I know that life is broken. And I know that relationship needs restoration. And I know that forgiveness could change things. And I know that my gift into that moment could bring about a miracle. So God, I say, yes. Praise isn't about what we do when we lift our hands. Praise is what we do when we use our hands. That's what praise looks like. Man, I'm so glad you're here this morning. I'm thankful beyond measure you're here this morning. Thank you for coming out in the dog days of summer. When it's 900, when you get into the car and you burn your butt because it's so hot. And it's like 9 o'clock in the morning. Thank you. Thank you. It's not overlooked by us and it's not overlooked by our king. He sees it. And so do we. Well, thank you for being here. You know, around this room, you get to see kids, generations. In this room, you see generations. From the youngest to the oldest, you see generations. Because our God is a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all at the same time. And what we know about our God is this. That generational blessing does not go upward, it goes downward. It should come from us to the next generation, from them to the next generation, in ever-increasing measure. So we don't have kids in here because we believe that, man, it's just too long for them to be in kids' ministry during service. We have children in here because what's in us should be getting poured down into them so that what is gets in them can be poured down into their friends, into their children. We are not just raising up a generation, we are raising up parents. Parents of a next generation. Parents of a next generation. Danielle and I, my wife, we, we have a son. We had, to, we had to realize that we weren't raising a son, we were raising someone else's husband. We were raising someone else's son-in-law. We were raising someone else's father. It's easy to raise a son because there's much more pressure to raise someone else's father. But that's what we're doing. So, kiddos, I know as you're following Pastor Lisa, Pastor Kevin out, follow the side. Church, give them a real hand. Give, give them a hand. This is, what, this is what godliness looks like in a generation following after God. 
Awesome. We love you, kiddos. We love you. Everybody who's ministering to them today, we love you. We bless your name today. Thank you. Hey, why are being seated? Give somebody next to you a high five. If you feel cool with that, give them a fist bump. Tell them it's good to see them in the house of God. Thank you for being here today. Um, church, as Shayla was leading worship, I felt like God put something on my heart to share this morning before we go into the next part of service. And she was talking about welcoming God in. And she was saying, you know, how great does it feel when somebody welcomes you in? Mm. And it's like, come on in, just do everything except just don't go in my fridge. Uh, which, <laughs> which, like, I really feel really vulnerable when somebody opens the door to my it's fridge. so true, like, right? Oh, it's so don't true, look John. in there. That's so gross. That's so disgusting in there. I have things all over the place. Um, but I have moved 13 times as an adult. I'm 36 years old, I've moved wow. 13 times as an adult. That's a lot of moves. That's a lot of moves. It's a lot of moves. It's a lot of packing and unpacking. That's why my wife laughs at me when I say, unless God says we are moving, <laughs> I never wanna move again for the rest of my life. But I learned something during all of those moves. Um, I'm very particular as a person, and I normally have things pretty thought out about where I want things to be and how I want things arranged and how I want things to go. And when you're moving 13 times, you need help. Yeah. So there's been a lot of times along the way where someone said, hey, what do you, maybe you should try doing this here. Like putting that thing there, putting that couch this way instead of this way. I'm like, I don't want that couch that way. I want that couch that way. That's how I vision, envisioned the room for the three months while I was waiting to close on this house. Yes. It's none of your business where yeah. the couch goes. It's yeah. my couch. Exactly. And then I try it because, you know, you feel like, like they just helped you move all of your stuff. So you're obligated to try it. And you're like, oh, that looks a lot better like that. And I think that this morning... God is asking us not to just welcome him in. We've yes. welcomed him. Now let's give him permission to rearrange things. Really good, John. Great. To say the spoons yeah, need good. to go in this drawer and not yeah. that drawer. Yeah. To say that piece of art that served you well in the last season in life no longer belongs in this home. That's so good. The things that we've held on so dearly to, to give him free reign. So good to move and rearrange and adjust and address and go in the fridge and throw the things out that are, should have been thrown out two weeks ago. <laughs> and I just actually want to ask everybody, if you're willing to say, God, rearrange Jesus, today. Jesus, I just want to pray over us. So yeah, if you could hallelujah. just put your hands up in the air. Jesus. God, here we are, your people this morning. We invite you in. We welcome you in. We ask you to come and move and rearrange mm. every part and every piece that you need to. All of the areas that have been off limits. God, we yes. take off the off limits sign this yes. morning. The spaces that we've had closed and locked away from you. We yes. open those. We fling those wide as naked and as vulnerable as that feels. We thank you that you are trustworthy to let into that yes. space. Yes. So today, God, come and move. Yes. And speak and shift and shape and change in a way that only you can with your great and mighty love and kindness. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Yes. Amen. 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 Thank you, brother. Uh, if you don't know, Pastor John oversees all of our worship uh, as well as uh, about a thousand other things uh, that he does here at church. Um, and, and such... And, 
13, 13, 13 times. That's a lot. That's a lot of moving. That's a lot of, you need, how many of you know you need a lot of friends when you move 13 times? You need a lot of friends. Hey, before we hop in, though, I just wanted to take a moment today, um, especially in the midst of summer, just to welcome um, any of our first-time guests. Look, if you're a guest here today, if you've, or, this, or you haven't been out for a while, it's really good to have you. Thank you for coming, really, and being a part of this. And the reason I, I, I just wanted to take a moment and do that is because uh, we, we really want you to feel welcome today. Um, but we don't just want you to feel welcome, um, we want you to feel honored. Because your, your story matters to us, you matter to us, your future matters to us. Uh, if you have friends, they matter to us. Your, your coworkers, they matter. Like, it mat- they really do matter. I'm not, we're, we're not saying that to try to uh, get people to come out to church. We're, we're saying it because we know that lives influence lives. People influence people. And so we're, we care about your lives. And we would love to really get to know you just a little bit more, hear your story. Uh, know a little bit more about you. So on the screen, you'll see that there's a, a QR code. Um, if, at any time, it's on the screen. It'll be on any of the stuff around. You can just hop on that, find out a little bit more about church. Let us know a little bit more about you. Um, one of the things that I love that, I, that we say here a lot, but um, when it comes to church, especially uh, um, when you're newer to church, is that for us, we want everybody to feel equally welcomed no matter your background, no matter where you've come from, what you've done, what you did this morning before you got here, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter. We want everybody to feel equally welcomed and equally challenged. No one should feel totally com- comfortable in any church setting because there's different people around you, because there's different seating than you're used to, because the songs you may not be familiar with, because some people raise their hands and some people don't. But that's okay because that's what community life is. Community is where everybody's equally welcome, and yet my neighbor challenges me a little bit because they're a little different than I am. And in that, we learn how to be equally encouraged. And that's what church is. Church is a community where we can find diversity and unity at the same time, where we can actually be welcomed and challenged, where we can be encouraged, come on somebody, and still find hope. So if that's what you're looking for, that's what church is. It's not just a service. It's actually a community where we live life together. And so what Pastor John said is so important. Sometimes we like the couch where the couch has been for the last 20 years. But maybe the couch could actually be more useful if we moved it a little bit. That's what we're going to talk about. That's what we're going to talk about this morning, actually. So since you, are you guys ready for the word today? Because I'm ready for the word. I really am. I'm ready for the word. Uh, so since you brought your Bible, why don't you open with me to Isaiah chapter 28. Isaiah 28. Isaiah is the 23rd book of the Old Testament. It's written by the prophet Isaiah, who, uh, who just, I'm, I'm a bit of a history geek, just so you know something about your pastor. I'm a little bit of a history nerd. Um, and wh- one of the things that I really like about Isaiah is that Isaiah started his ministry about the same time Rome was founded. He started his ministry about the first time, uh, around the same time as the first Olympic Games started. Now, I think that's cool because it's World Cup right now, which I think that's awesome as well. I just kind of like trying to pinpoint it in history, what we're talking about. And, and, and what, he, what he's doing is he's, he, he's being a voice in the midst of the wilderness because he recognizes that time is short. That, that there's an enemy on the move. There's an enemy on the move. 
there's an enemy on the move. Do you realize that Pastor D and I were talking about this just this week? That the enemy has been planning the downfall of God's people from when he was cast out of heaven into creation. This is not, he knows every scheme, every lie, every trick, been there, done that a thousand times. He is focused and ramping up. So Isaiah is here, and he's trying to get his people, they're facing a real enemy, and he's trying to get them to understand that war's on the way, death's on the way, destruction's on the way, but there's an answer to come back to God, to wake up and change. And maybe, maybe that is part of the voice that God has for us as God's people in 2023, is for us maybe to start to recognize what's going on in our world and wake up and maybe begin to shift a little bit. If you need a title for my message today, it's Brick by Brick. Brick by Brick. Right? Uh, we have a privilege. Danielle and I have a privilege of living in a house that was built before we were a country. It was built in 1771, which is actually pretty cool. But the, one of the coolest things about it is that it's made entirely out of brick. And you, they, they, the craftsmanship is amazing. You know, anywhere you go in our house, you can see how they painstakingly put the bricks together, lined them up, leveled it, joined it together brick by brick so there was strength in the unity that was found in those bricks being placed so strongly together. And because they build it that way, right, it has withstood uh, tornadoes and earthquakes and floods and wars and the process of time. Because sometimes time can be one of the things that undoes us the most, right? And don't get me wrong, it's not perfect. Some of the floors are still a little bit, t have a tilt, and some of the doors are a little bit uh, off square. But, but what I love about it is that they didn't just give Danielle and I a place to survive, they gave us a place to thrive. And how did they do it? Brick by brick. Painstakingly putting brick upon brick, not leaving any spaces, not leaving any voids, quickly replacing any bricks that were crushed or broken, and they build it to last. They build it to last. And this is the same principle I want to encourage us with this morning, as we become disciples of Jesus Christ. Because we're not building a spiritual life over here and a regular life and a family life and a gym life and a work life. We are building one life. That's why when people say, well, I, in my spiritual life. No, 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 in my life. In my life, we're building one house, right, that is built brick by brick on the foundation of Jesus and that is put together with one truth after another truth, one principle upon another principle, one revelation of God connected to another revelation of God, unmovable and unshakable. Yet, what do we do when holes appear? How do you and I handle it when, the, when, when there are bricks that at times get crushed or broken or shattered due to circumstance or situation. Because that is where, that's the collision point where our real life meets our spiritual hopes. It's the gap between who we'd like to be as a disciple of Jesus and who we really are. It's the gap between having joy and chasing the ever-evading sense of happiness. Between true peace and our persona of pleasantries. Oh man, I'm good, I'm all good, I'm all good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm, I'm blessed, are you, I'm, I'm blessed, are you blessed? That's the persona of pleasantries. And we all have these moments in our life where there's some crushed bricks and 
missing ones and voids and instability. It happens to all of us. But the good news is there's an answer because God is not surprised by our need to build brick by brick over time with repairs needed because he's the one who called us to do it. This is what we're going to see in this text because it's what Isaiah is encouraging his people to do. Isaiah is trying to encourage the children of God here to repent and to listen to the word of God to establish their life establish their life on the word of God. Yes, they came from a God-influenced culture, much like we have, or maybe we used to. But they were not allowing God to be the influencer of their culture. So often that's what church life looks like. We have a God-influenced church life. But God has stopped becoming the influencer of our life. We look like we know what we're doing, but on the outside, he is not the one commanding the doing. Because they chose to to build, my friends, from a brick from here and a brick from there, their lives and even their culture would not be able to stand the attack of the enemy. The Assyrians were coming and they brought death and they brought destruction and they destroyed and enslaved not only that generation but generations to come because they did not build a house that would stand. My friends, this morning, can I encourage us not to be like them? Can, we, can I encourage us to choose to build a house that's going to stand? The enemy is coming. He's going to increase the attacks over time. Time and time again, we have to recognize that we have to build a house, a life, brick by godly brick, by godly brick, by godly brick, by godly brick, so that we can stand when you have done everything the Bible says. Stand. That's what we can do. That's a life that can stand. Let's look at what Isaiah encourages with this morning. Verse 9, chapter 28. Whom will he teach knowledge to? And whom will he make to understand the message? Those just weaned from milk? Those just drawn from the breast? I'm going to stop there for a moment. What he's saying is you can't stay infants. We cannot stay as babies in our faith. Well, I don't really, because I hear this, I don't really know what the Bible says about that. That's awesome. That's okay. It's all right not to know. It's just not okay to stay not knowing. It's okay to fall. It's not okay to stay in the dirt. So, 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 so this is what he's saying. This is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3.11, when I thought, when I was a child, I thought as a child, I acted as a child, I performed as a child, but when I became a man, I chose to put away childish things. So as we grow into disciples, we have to make a choice to put away childish things. How do we do this? How do we grow? Here's the key. For precept must, underline that word must, highlight it, circle it, put it in red, whatever you've got. We must be upon, a precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept. Line must be upon line, line upon line. Here a little, there a little. It takes some time. Thank God that God is giving us time. For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to his people, to whom he said, this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. Yet they would not hear. Underline that. Yet they would not hear. The beautiful thing, before we even go any further into this, did you hear the heartbeat of God for your life? I want to give you rest. 
I want to give you refreshment. I want to give you peace. That's the will of God for our life. Matter of fact, that Hebrew word there for rest means a resting place of peace and refreshment. Of peace and refreshment. It's the same word used in Psalm 23, verse 2. Do you remember what it says? Uh, and he will bring you beside still waters. That word still isn't. It's a place of, of peace and refreshment. That's what God's trying to bring into you. I don't know about you, but I want some of that. I, I need some refreshment. I, 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 need, I need some Selah moments. In my life. I need some, uh, some hope and peace in the midst of the chaos of life. And that's what God's will is for our life. By the way, he's not saying you have to manufacture the peace. He's saying I want to bring it. Yet how we build our lives can either establish us in peace or be the catalyst for losing it how we build our life. I think the truth is two of the biggest challenges to this kind of life, to building a life of intimacy with God, of peace and refreshment, of holiness, which I think is really at the heartbeat of every disciple of Jesus, is how do I build it and with what do I build it with? What do I build it with? And, and the amazing thing about God's sovereignty and kindness and love towards you and I is that even in the midst of our compromise, even in the midst of our selfishness, he gives us revelation that helps us towards that kind of transformation. Because this is what's going on. Judah, who Isaiah is talking to right here, was in compromise. They had this outward appearance of a godly culture. They had this outward appearance of being godly but they were building hidden shrines to worship other things. Let me put it in plain terms. They were making it look like they were good on the outside, but they were hiding some darkness on the inside. They, they, they were creating a culture where the wealthy oppressed the poor and everybody was okay with it. Where men and women neglected their families to pursue their own pleasures and even the priests gave in to the party scene. They believed their godly culture made them better than the godless people around them. Does this sound like any culture that we may be familiar with right now? But here's the thing, my friends. God takes compromise more seriously than ignorance. We're like, they don't know. They don't even know. They don't even know. They don't even know. No, 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 no. God takes compromise more seriously than ignorance. That's why Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 48, to whom much is given, much is required. See, I think the problem is, in our modern church culture, we are convinced that we think we live on this sliding scale where, well, at least I, 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 at least I know more than they do. At least I'm not doing what they do. And we think there's a sliding scale. There is a sliding scale. It's just in reverse. God says, I know they're doing what they're doing because they don't know any better. But you do. You and I do. And if we don't, it's because we haven't taken the time to learn it. This is the message that God has been sending to Israel throughout the Old Testament. Read Old Testament book after Old Testament book. Oh, they're saying, yeah, but look at them and look at them and look at them. And God said, I'm looking at you. I know what the Assyrians are. They don't know any better. I know who you are, though. Your grandmama probably told you, you do better when you know better. That's what God is saying. 
How many of us at times know that we can have, you and I, even in our modern church world of amazing church worship, of absolutely, you can go on praise music at any given time, any time of the day or night, that you and I, even in church that is as good as it is today, can share a life of compromised praise. Compromised praise. Do you realize that's what Judah means? Judah means praise. And that's what they were living in, compromised praise. Whenever you and I praise him in order to get something from him rather than simply because he is, compromised praise. Whenever we do things to convince him he deserves to bless us, compromised praise. When we treat God like our spiritual ATM, kind of just pushing the right buttons and hoping that the money comes out, come on somebody, like he's my genie in a bottle. Oh, sorry, that was bad. When we place our need for acceptance above his call for holiness. When we keep things in the darkness that his light would destroy. When we choose our happiness over his word, his will, his ways. When we treat others with contempt due to the color of their skin or the life choices of partners that they take. We are living in compromised praise. And here's the truth. All of us do it. All of us do it. Now, some of you are wondering just right there if I'm saying that all lifestyles are okay. No, of course not. Sin is sin, no doubt. It's not about me not knowing that there's sin. It's how contemptible I am that I'm not that kind of sinner. We don't preach that in church because that doesn't make us feel better. But it makes us actually be better when we get it. I have to struggle with things I have contempt for. And I know theologically I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. Come on, somebody. But I love, it's easier for me to love people that act, do, and believe like I do than it is to do things I don't understand and actually make me very uncomfortable. Here's the beautiful thing about God. He still loves us and sends us Isaiah's. We're in contemptible praise, and he goes, I love you. Let me send you Isaiah after Isaiah after Isaiah after Isaiah to show you the life you're choosing is a house of cards. You think it looks good. It's not. Jesus exemplifies this to you and I in Luke chapter 18. Then the rich young ruler comes to Jesus, because we're always, we turn our nose up to the rich young ruler like he walked away from Jesus. I don't know, his life probably stacks up a whole lot better than mine. Because he comes to Jesus and he's like, what do I have to do? And Jesus said, well, you know, the, you know the law. And he said, I have followed all of that law since I was a little kid. I don't know how many of you and I can say that in here. I, come on, somebody, get a witness in here. I know I can't say that. Look, somebody be like, look straight ahead. They ain't even looking at their spouse because they know. And Jesus says, cool, sell everything, give it away. Boom, house of cards falls. Because above it all, there was still something he had above Jesus. The real issue, my friends, is this. As people, we tend to build from a place 
to protect ourselves from pain rather than a, a place to build a temple of praise. We build our lives to protect ourselves from pain rather than choosing to build ourselves to become a temple of praise for him. And I understand that because none of us want to go through pain, but we build, what, we build a life from the concept of what do I have to do to experience the least amount of discomfort I can in my life. Then we ask God to be the personal guarantor on that mortgage for our life. God, will you actually guarantee that that's the kind? Keep me from pain, God. And what it does is it creates voids and holes where the bricks go missing. Where arrows come through. We keep getting pinged by the arrows and we're bleeding out. And we're saying, yeah, but God, look at all the things that I've done. And he's saying, yeah, I know, but you're, you're missing You've left those places open and the enemy knows exactly where to shoot. He's not aiming at your strengths. He's aiming at the voids in the wall you left. And we bleed out. And our life is filled with gaps and crushed bricks and pain without peace. But you and I have been designed by God to become temples of praise. I have not been designed to be free from pain. I have been designed to be a temple of praise to God, no matter the cost. Deny myself, pick up my cross, follow Jesus. They love their lives. They did not love their lives even unto death. It is not my life that I get to choose to protect. It is his life that I choose to live for and to build from, to be a life that will bring that life praise with everything I've got. 1 Corinthians six nineteen. Do you not know that you and I are temples of praise? Come on. Don't get me wrong like Nehemiah we are built with burnt stones we are messed up we are broken we go through it all but our purpose is to live a life of uncompromising praise to Jesus so it matters not just how we build but what we build with that's why this word says precept must be upon precept must be upon precept Line must be upon line. The, the, that Hebrew construct are all commands. In the Hebrew, they are commands. That means they're not suggestions. God's not saying, hey, if you agree with me, awesome. Really want you on my side. Want to make sure we're cool. It's a command. Matter of fact, he starts off with a precept. That Hebrew word for precept comes from a military term. That means it comes from a commander, a superior officer, giving a command to an inferior. So like when a general comes in and says to the private, I want you to take that hill, the private doesn't go, that's not really the hill I want to go up. Uh, I'm not sure, I don't really want to march that far today. They don't have a discussion. The general knows so the general gives the command because the general knows where the enemy is the most weak. The general knows the enemy's weakest point. The private 
doesn't have the information, doesn't have the intel, doesn't have the eye in the sky from the helicopter, from the plane that's over, from the satellite dish that's seeing where the enemy is most vulnerable. He's on the ground thinking, I don't want to go up that hill. I don't like that hill. That hill's lower. That hill is smoother. That hill has less rocks. And the, guy, and the general's saying, yeah, but this is where the enemy's weakest. Take that hill. Well, I don't know. My generation doesn't like going up that hill. Take that hill. That's not the way we do it in my family. Take that hill. That's why the word of God says in Deuteronomy 6.6, man, get the word and treasure it in your heart. Get the commands of God and treasure them in your heart. David says, I hide your word in my heart so that I don't sin against you. God tells us in Joshua 1.8 to meditate on the word day and night. So that after we meditate on and get it in our lives, we'll be successful and prosperous. So he starts with a command. But he doesn't end with a command. Because then he doesn't say, let me help you try to figure it out. He says, let me tell you how to figure it out. Line upon line. That Hebrew word for line means a rule or a rubric. A way of doing things. A way of doing. God says, this is what I want us to do. And this is how we can do it together what we need to see is that the command always precedes the process there's the precept before the line and then he gives us time there's the precept the process and the time the precept the process and the time did you notice how this started by the way he said who will I teach knowledge to and then who is going to get the understanding of the message that's the precept and then the process. That's why at times, many times, we, we, we get to, to a place where after we've built, built our life for a while, we've come to church for a while, we've known Jesus for a while, that's why we simply start to focus on the knowledge. Because we believe we've got the process all figured out. That's why, we, just teach me all the background in the Bible story. I need to know more. No, no, no. You need to know how to live this out more. That's why the Bible says there's a precept because the precept leads you to the process. It doesn't start. He doesn't say there must be precept upon precept. Stop. Precept upon precept because the more that we go, the more that we need to grow. That's why James 1.22 isn't just for baby Christians. Don't be deceivers of yourself, Right? Be, don't, don't just hear the word, but also do it. He didn't say that just for immature Christians, second-year Christians, fifth-year Christians. He's saying to that, for those of us who are 35 years into ministry, into life with God, he's saying, don't forget, you can deceive yourself too by just learning the precept and forgetting the process. Because you think your kindness, because you're kind, that means that you're loving people. No, you got kindness figured out, but you still ain't loving folk. I'm just telling my story. The reality is, my friends, the precept is what you get on Sunday, but the line is what you get in discipleship. One shows us the command of God, and the other one helps us to process the will of God in our time, in our life. That's why we need things like Shoulder to Shoulder and Forge, which are men and women's discipleship groups, which will start up again in a few weeks, because it's precept, process, and time. And the reality is, I'm not talking about something we don't understand. 
In the natural, we get that certain things need to precede other things, right? We get that you got to learn your numbers before you go take algebra, right? You, we know what you got you to learn the letters before you actually go, go and start taking writing class or before you start reading. You got to date before you get married unless you're on one of those crazy, stupid shows. But the trap is this. The trap is that when building, process, when building precept upon precept, line upon line, other options will always present themselves. Like new math. I don't need new math. Two plus two is four. Somebody say amen. They throw in new math. I don't need new math. Don't know how to help my kid do new math. Why? Because I was taught two plus two is four. Not four minus 16 of the square root of eight comes back to the underscore of the not. No, two plus two is four. I don't need another option. But we get other options and we start adding them in like they're equal. And we end up a life like this. We start off real good, right on the bottom, we got a good foundation of godly things. God, Jesus, foundation, hallelujah. Yes, I'm going to get some prayer, I'm going to read the Bible, it's going to be good stuff. But then like Judah, we get into a state of compromised praise by leaving some things out. By creating some voids in there because there are some bricks we don't like. There's some bricks that make us uncomfortable. There's some bricks we didn't grow up doing. So we leave some bricks out. Then, then, then we add some cultural norms and some human desires and some personal options, pieces of wood and stones into our wall. We have some bricks that are crushed and not healed, so we just kind of duct tape them together to try to keep it from getting worse in our life rather than making it better. We add grandmama's cooking pot because after all, traditions are important. She taught me family first is more important than anything else anyway. And we get this thing where a little by a little, a little thing here and a little thing there changes the process and reestablishes the command. And it gets all wonky and janky. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. How many of us would like to stand behind this kind of wall when the enemy comes? Here's the problem. We are. We are. Because this is the outward reality of what our inward life looks like. We think we are the wall, great wall of China. And we are more like a backyard barbecue mess. And we wonder why the arrows keep coming through and piercing us time and time and we're bleeding out and we have no peace and we're getting stung and hurt and broken and we blame God and we blame church and we blame people and we just go on about our own business because we built a wall that started out with the things of God but we added contemptible praise. Here's the challenge. Believers build out of natural things that they hope will become supernatural. But disciples build out of supernatural things that they establish in the natural. 
As disciples, my friends, we have to start establishing supernatural things in our natural life. We have to establish supernatural things into our natural lives. Stay with me. That is the first order of dominion. Do you remember God gave us dominion, dominion over the earth? Jesus says that we have authority and dominion. The first use of dominion is internal dominion. To internally set the blocks in place that you don't want to set in place, but God's word says to set in place. I'm going to take dominion over my soul, dominion over my feelings, dominion over being unaccepted, dominion over what they're going to say, dominion over my insecurity, dominion over my hate, dominion over my prejudice. I'm going to take dominion over my bias. I'm going to take dominion. Because you have to have internal dominion before you can have external dominion. When Peter and John go to the gate called Beautiful, they see a lame man. He says, give me some money. They say, money I don't have, but what I've got inside me, I give to you. Get up and walk. We want people to get up and walk without putting the dominion inside. The word works externally because it works internally. The lie is, my friends, as believers, so often we're counting on happiness to somehow supernaturally become joy, acceptance to become peace, our goodness to turn into salvation. But Galatians 6, 8 clears it up for us. If you sow into the natural, you'll reap the natural. If you sow into the spiritual, you'll reap the spiritual. This is what Jesus is trying to get through to Nicodemus in John 3. Nicodemus shows up and he's like, yo, how do I get to heaven? And Jesus said, you must be born again. Nicodemus goes, how do I get back into my mama's womb? That's a good question. Right? Natural. He starts with the natural, thinking that the natural is going to become supernatural. But Jesus said, don't work like that. John 3, 6, he said, flesh gives birth to flesh. Your logic gives birth to logic. Your ungodly culture gives birth to ungodly culture. Spirit gives birth to spirit. God did not wait for Mary and Joseph. Joseph did not impregnate Mary, and then God made that baby into Jesus. It started with the spirit and manifest in the natural. We want to try to start things and birth things in the natural and then ask God to turn them into supernatural. But what, when you get uncompromised, when you get, a, when you get an ungodly culture, it bursts ungodly culture. Compromise bursts compromise. Spirit bursts spirit. The issue is I think we start with the foundation that God loves me and that we're forgiven and we're saved. And then we build and we tend to build with material that we're most used to. I know I do. There are things that I feel more comfortable with building with. I'm good with wood. Right, I started to use some stones out back, started to build a garden with stuff, started to get more comfortable with that. I can't do bricks, I'm out. I don't know mortar, I can't mix it. I, I, there's things, I can't paint, I hate painting. Someone say amen, I hate painting. Anybody, do I have any brothers? Yeah, amen, I hate to paint. White is a good color, somebody just say amen. Hallelujah. But we start to do that in our life. We assimilate the things that are common to us, naturally and spiritually. The way we were raised, our past experience with church style, our common beliefs, our need not to feel excluded. We're influenced by our logic, by our politics, by our friend group, even by our nationalism. And we start to build 
and, get, and, 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 and produce, we start building and gaps start to appear in that building because the things don't fit in to the narrative of the story that we are trying to build. We are trying to build a story of our God's blessing rather than the story of who our God is through praise. We're looking to build a story about how our God blesses us rather than the story of who God is himself. Dee and I were talking just this week. She, she was reading about family genealogies, and she was, she was talking about how one of the biggest problems to, in today's world isn't the access of information. It's actually the false narratives that are out there. So what's, what happened is this. Uh, many of you may have come from, uh, you may be first or second generation. Uh, you have parents who immigrated here, right? And all of us probably know the story of our grandparent or our great-grandparent who came through Ellis Island at 18 with nothing but the clothes on their back. And that story has been passed down through your family time and time again. Great-granddaddy came through. He was eight. He had nothing so what do we do? We want to find out about our grandpa. We go to the, ar the archives of Ellis Island because that's where he came through. We find a name that kind of matches his because they were wonky with names anyway. That kind of matches him. And we track that back. And what we find out is this, that we are now living in a story that is actually not ours. Because the narrative that we listened to in the first place was a lie. But we accepted it as truth. And now the line that we're following, come on, it's happening all the time right now. The line we're following because we believe the story without checking the fact. We believe the story, the lie, without seeing if it was truth. Well, everybody said it. Grandma wouldn't lie. Come on, somebody. My uncle said it. We've lived this way. This is where the family's always believed. Uh-huh, but it wasn't truth in the beginning, and now you're following out a story of legacy that ain't yours. Amen. And it is easy, my friends, to take someone else's truth because it fits the narrative we're looking for, and we set it in as a brick of truth, and it's not. We see it in the Bible. How are we doing? We all right? Woo! We see it in the Bible. Like... Second, in 2 Samuel 15, it's the story of Absalom. I don't have the time to unwork it all out, but this. Absalom, the Bible says, is David's son. He goes to the city gate every day and stands by the gate. While the king is inside of Jerusalem, the city of God, trying to rule the kingdom and command the king. While the king, while the king was having command of the kingdom, his son sat by the gate and would say to people, oh man, who would come to see the king, oh man, the king doesn't have time for you today. If I was the king, oh, I would listen to you. If I was the king, I'd have your back. I mean, I know the, king, the king's harsh, isn't he? I mean, the, some of the things the king, I mean, but if I was king and Absalom is close, sits close enough to be seen, but not close enough to be all in, he was speaking a different narrative than the king. And the problem is that people went away with a brick of lie. They considered truth so that when Absalom rebelled, he already had a following based on his truth. This is what our soul does. This is what our heart does. This is what the enemy does. 
It puts in bricks about, well, if God really did, if God really cared, if God, how could this, I know you said, but look what happened. And he starts to put in bricks that we believe are true, never checking it, so that when rebellion comes, and it always will, the bricks of the lie are already inside of us, and they feel normal. How many of Absalom's bricks do we have in our wall? How many stones of accusation do we have that we should have dropped from our hands, like Jesus said, but instead we put them inside of our wall? How much wood are we building with that's so easily burned up? How much tradition that we've placed in rather than truth that we're basing our hope and our peace and our life upon? And what do we do when the bricks we've placed in our wall that we had so much hope for become crushed, like we talked about last week? And the issue becomes when we're hurt and, we're not, and, we're, and, we're not, and we don't get healed, we tend to put the healing for that hurt as an onus in someone else's hands. And they don't have the power to produce the healing inside of you. And so we get more hurt and more frustrated and another brick gets crushed, and another brick gets crushed. But it's kind of like getting upset with Pepsi, that Pepsi doesn't get the stain out of your shirt, like, so, like, like Club Soda does. But here's what I need to tell you, right? If you put Pepsi on the stain in your shirt, your shirt's going to get worse stained. I can't believe I tried Pepsi, and it didn't come out. Yeah, well, club, because it's not Club Soda. Because all sodas aren't made the same. All truth is not the same. All truth, all truth is not the same. All opinion is not truth. Sometimes we think, we, we, I, look, I got a stain in my life. I'm going to put some, I'm going to put that opinion on it. I, I'm going to put that, that what that person said. I'm going to put what we always do on it. Awesome, and it gets worse, and we go, I thought this was, no, what's going on? I, I thought this worked. No, club soda works. It ain't all the same. So we start to shove other things in there to start mitigating the damage. We put some duct tape on our life and think it's all right. Matter of fact, this is true. I, I was out gardening last year, and there was a hole in my hose. That frustrates me, right? There was a hole in my hose, and I didn't want to take time to go get to a new hose. So do you know what I did? Come on, somebody. Duct tape. I put duct tape on that bad boy, and how many of you know it was all right for a little bit, and then all of a sudden I was getting showered from everywhere because it wouldn't just start dripping from one place. It came out now. It was worse. We see this in Moses' life, don't we? Remember, his parents send him down the river to save him from all the children that are dying. He's rescued from Pharaoh's daughter, by Pharaoh's daughter, but he's not accepted by the Egyptians. So he gets angry, he kills one, buries him in the sand. For 40 years, he's a refugee on the lamb in the wilderness until he has an encounter with God at the burning bush. Then he does miracles, sets his people free, leads people to water, salvation, healing, all this amazing stuff. But the crushed brick that was in him was never healed. And it comes back to bite him. Because he gets frustrated with the people not accepting his leadership, and what does he do? He gets angry again and strikes the rock. And God says, I'm sorry, but Moses, there's no promised land for you. 
doesn't mean he didn't go to heaven. We'll see Moses there. How do I know? Because he was standing on the Mount of Transfiguration. This isn't about losing salvation. It's about losing legacy. So many of us are worried about, worried about losing salvation. That's done on the cross. It's a sealed deal. Moses lost legacy because he never allowed the crushed brick to actually be healed in his life. The truth is we must heal the bricks with painstaking care because it's easier to replace a missing brick than heal a crushed one. But Psalm 107 verse 20 says, I sent my word to heal their disease. I sent my word to heal them, to deliver them. There is healing in the word of God. If you've been crushed, if you've been broken, get into the word. Find out what God says about that. Get in front of his face. Let his soothing balm be a balm to you. Don't duct tape it so it doesn't get worse. Don't try to wrap it up so you can get through the day. Go to the healer. Let the one who paid for the price for that hurt and the healing pour his love into that broken, broken area and let it be restored. Because what happens when we leave a hole open or a brick crushed? Oh, I'm out of time. But when we leave that hole, something goes missing. Something goes missing that once made the wall sturdy, that made it withstand the storms, that brought refreshing peace. Because we start out so often with 1 John 4, 8, God is love. And then we go, oh, how good. God loves me. So John 3, 16 must be true. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son because he didn't want me to die. He wanted me to have eternal life. Oh, he has a will for my life. What's this will? 2 Peter 3, 9, that none should perish and all should come to eternal life. I love that will. That will is lived out because he loves me. How do I know he loves me? Because Romans 5, 8 tells me he demonstrated that love while I was still messed up and a sinner. Jesus Christ died for me on the cross. Why? So he died for me so that I know I can't work it out on my own if I've got issues he's got my back because it is by grace through faith that I am saved and I am saved for what an abundant life matter of fact John 10 10 says a life and life more abundantly how does that life abundantly work out in my life it happens this way through John 16 the Holy Spirit sanctifying me regenerating me moving inside of me power by power he has given for my advantage the Bible says how what's the advantage of having the spirit in my life well Galatians 5 23 says that he produces love and joy and peace and all the things you and I can't do on our own so that we can experience that kind of life with God and his being in our life helps us to do what we've been called to do which is Matthew 22 37 love the Lord your God with everything I've got in my heart soul and mind which gives me a certainty of heaven and reminds me that Psalm 23 says I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living there is a wall that cannot be breached uh, however ha I don't need my voice for another week. I'm good. When we don't see or understand in our own way God is moving in the land of the living, we begin to struggle to love God with all of our heart, mind, and soul. We lose the joy that's produced by the Spirit and begin to self-soothe with happiness, which causes us to listen to our soul more than the Spirit replacing our spiritual advantage with a human disadvantage. Our abundant life becomes an unfulfilled life seeking to, to, to devour anything we believe will make us happy. 
taking our salvation back into our own hands, we turn the cross into a magic charm, trusting in our will over his will, and founding us in the belief that self-love is true love. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to death. This is why, my friends, we have to listen to Paul. We have to listen to Isaiah. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 12, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hair, straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed by fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what they have built survives, the builder will receive their reward. He's not talking about salvation. He's talking about the Bema Seat. He's talking about the life that we live that we get to give back to God when we stand in front of him. He says, if it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but will, but will be saved, even though as only one escaping through the flames. What you build your life with matters in this world and the next. Wood, hay, and stubble, they're all natural. They grow in the wild. They're easily collected, but they burn up quickly. And when they burn in the heat, it's gone. But gold silver and precious stones you got to mine for those bad boys you got to dig in the soil you got to get your hands dirty you don't produce them God makes them but you and I have to dig for them and when those bad boys get in the heat it doesn't matter how high the heat is gold always stays gold it doesn't matter how high you turn the crucible up. Silver always remains silver. You can blast a precious stone with the highest quality heat you've got, and it will always remain a diamond. It will, a matter of fact, the heat, when it's turned up, will take a normal, ordinary piece of coal and turn it into something extraordinary like a diamond. Gold will always be gold. Silver will always be. It ain't going nowhere. Come on. I can stand in the heat of the fire of persecution. I can stand in the heat of being rejected. I can stand in the heat of people talking negatively. I can stand in the heat of my family walking away from me and calling me a Jesus freak. I can stand in the heat of pain of loss. I can stand in the heat of sickness and know that the gold that I built my life upon is always going to be gold. It ain't going nowhere. Because I'm not leaving the voids open for the enemy to shoot the arrow to bleed me out slowly. It's not a mistake, by the way, that God's house is built with all three of those things. Do you remember God tells Moses in Exodus 25, build the tabernacle just like I told you? Mm. Do you know what the foundation of the tabernacle is on? Silver. Do you know where those silver blocks came from? They're called redemption stones. Do you know why? Because it was the redemption silver coin that every young man had to pay when they came out of slavery to say, I know I'm redeemed. I'm going to put my silver in there because I'm redeemed. They melted that silver down and made it on blocks so that the tabernacle could stand on the sun's redemption. But it didn't stay on silver. They kept building it. They used acacia or shittim wood, which is incorruptible. They had lambskins. They had silver. They had brass. They had gold. They put precious things inside the tabernacle. Because they were building a temple of praise. 
not a refuge from pain. They were building a temple of praise, not a refuge from pain. I'm going to end with this. One of the saddest things in this text is what it ends with. And they wouldn't hear. Do you know why they wouldn't hear? Because they believed the alliance that they had made was stronger than the foe that they faced. The trap was that Judah had made an alliance with Egypt rather than build on an allegiance to God. They actually made an alliance with the enemy who used to make them make bricks out of clay, who told them, I don't care what you do, you'll never get out. You will be trapped in this forever. And they said, bring it in. I'll be attached to that. They made an alliance with Egypt instead of building an allegiance to God. It is for freedom that Christ came to set me free. No longer to make an alliance with slavery of sin. I can't afford to carry around the rocks of accusation. I can't build anymore with the opinions of my culture. I can't take up the traditions of my family. It was for freedom that Jesus came to set me free. We cannot live, we cannot build an allegiance to God while making an alliance with Egypt. It will always lead us to compromised praise. My God said in Isaiah 55, I will send my word and my word will not come back void. It will do what I have called it to do. What does the word say about family? What does the word say about forgiveness? What does the word say about my finance? What does the word say about joy? What does the word say about peace? What does the word say about forgiveness and reconciliation and restoration? What does the word say about the house of God? What does the word say about how to love the unlovable and touch it? What does the word of God say? Not the story that was passed down that wasn't real from the beginning. Not the cultural opinion that'll burn up 20 years from now anyway. How do we know? Think back 20 years. The stone I should have dropped is going to become a millstone around my neck. This wall ain't going to protect me when persecution comes, when the enemy shows up for my kids. For you, for this church, this one ain't gonna protect nobody. Precept upon precept, line upon line, that wall will stand the test of time.
your choice. Let's pray. An allegiance to God or an alliance with Egypt, that's the choice. An allegiance to God or an alliance with Egypt. Today's your choice. Today's your chance. This whole message is an altar call. It doesn't matter what kind of wall you have when you got here. It matters what wall we're willing to leave with. It doesn't matter what alliance we made before we came. It matters what allegiance we stand in when we walk out this door. So I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Maybe you're here today. You can say, man, I didn't even actually didn't know that God loved me. I didn't know that my goodness didn't lead to salvation. I, I didn't know that I could actually make Jesus my Lord and have that security and peace rest in my life. Well, the Bible says if you confess your sin, confess him as Lord of your life with your mouth today and believe in your heart he died and rose again. He did the work on the cross and that's enough then today, if you'll do that, you'll be saved. And that will start the foundation because the foundation can only be in Jesus. And we're going to pray that in just a moment. Maybe you've been far away from God. Maybe you prayed that prayer, but to be honest, you've been far away from God. Today's the day, prodigal son, prodigal daughter, to come home. It doesn't matter that you are living in the pigsty. My God will wash you off, cleanse you, put a new robe on you, open up his house to you, bring you in, restore unto you what the, what the enemy has stolen all those years. We're going to pray. You pray it too. And maybe today you are here and you're saying, you know what, there are some things I just need to repent of, turn away from. I got some wood in my wall, some hay, some straw, some stubble. I got some rocks. I got some grandmoms cooking. God, I'm, forgive me. I'm turning my life around. Today's the day. So I'm going to ask us all to pray. But while we pray, you do business with God. This is your business with God. This is your time. This is not Kyle's words. These are your words to God. Will you pray with me? Just say, dear Lord Jesus. Here I am today. I've come to do business with you. I am so sorry for doing it my own way, for building my life on my own terms. Forgive me. I repent today. I turn around. I'm walking in a different direction. I choose today to build my life on your word, your will, and your ways. I'm giving my life fully to you. Jesus, be my Lord, my King, and my Savior. Forgive me of all my sin and fill me with that Holy Spirit that I may build my life as a temple of praise to you today. In Jesus' name, Amen, and amen, and amen, and amen. Come on, can you give God some praise today? I believe chains are broken.
Pastor D, will you come up real quick? Pastor D is going to pray over us as we get ready to go today. What I love about God is he said a little here, a little there. That means there's time. Well, I'm still breathing. I can still change this. Well, I'm still breathing. I got the opportunity to say, I'm not going to actually build like that anymore. I'm going to find some godly bricks. Man, I know there was a gap and I didn't really like that before. And I know it's going to take some change. I'll put that brick in there because I'm tired of getting shot by the enemy. I'm going to build the way God calls me to build. A little here, a little there. And before you know it, you'll have a wall strong enough for any enemy to come. If the Antichrist comes, I got the wall. Persecution comes, I got the wall. They tell you, you can't come to church anymore. It's illegal. I got a wall. They tell you, you got cancer. I got a wall. They tell you, there's no hope. I got a wall. They tell you, there's no, there's no, there's no chance. I got a wall. Turn up the heat. Because gold's still gold. My silver's still silver. And those precious stones ain't ever going to change. Sometimes I wonder how I'm supposed to turn around that quick after sitting in this room, hearing that message, and then just talk like that didn't just happen. <laughs> because that was, that was about as real as it gets <laughs> for real life. And um, I was thinking, okay, we didn't, this is not planned, so I didn't, um, but <laughs> I had a very difficult conversation playing through my mind the whole time he was sharing when I started to see these bricks. And I was thinking about, I had had a really, really, really um, hard conversation with a friend who was going through a really serious situation. Um, and it just happened to be a, a very public, like it's a very known situation. And um, so, I was talking to my friend, she was coming to me for advice, and she had explained to me the advice that she had been given, and if I said the name to you of that person, you would just say, yeah, whatever that person says, you should be doing that. And as she was explaining that advice to me, I was thinking, this is terribly wrong, because this does not line up with the word. It sounds so logical, like in terms of um, keeping the peace and getting maybe the end result, but this does not sound at all like what I know Jesus to be. And I will tell you that that, see we talk about walls, but that is one of these, that's what the actual moment looks like when you're talking with someone that you love and they're talking to you about something that means something to them, and you have to figure out if you're just going to say, like, I just want them to be happy, and not tell them the truth, or talk to them with the love of God and say, like, I, look, I know 
that everything inside of you wants to agree with that and believe that and do that. But I would be such a grief to the, to the heart of God if I didn't tell you his truth and what the word actually says. And then you decide. But I, you know, sometimes people bring you into something and all of a sudden you're like, now I'm a part of this. I didn't even have a chance. Like, I have too much information now to get out of this and not to be involved. And you know what? Instead of being frustrated with that, like maybe we should consider it an opportunity for us to give people an understanding of the truth, the real truth, the biblical truth. Every single thing you heard today, you shouldn't just take it because it happened in the middle of a church. Like just because Kyle said it, just because he had some Bible references in there, just because he said that really long sentence that was like five minutes long and <laughs> I don't know where he breathed, like none of that matters. Anybody can do anything. Anybody can say something impressive. But you have to go to the word. It is the word that will tell you what the truth is. Because he is the word. And he will not lie. And that's, so if you're in a situation that, you know, you're like, yeah, I understood that brick wall. When you leave here and someone's like, this is what I think I'm going to do. And it doesn't sound like Jesus. Give them Jesus. Don't give them judgment don't give them judgment give them Jesus let Jesus deal with how he wants to deal but love people enough to say listen I understand how that would be tempting but there's enough of Jesus to fill the holes that you will leave if you go that route I actually just I feel like I should pray do you, if I just pray for the church um, church, can you stand? I feel like there's people who understand what I just said and are going to walk out of here and literally have these opportunities to deal with in the next yep. 4 to 48 hours. And I just want to pray that your spirit is on its toes and not its heels Jesus. so that when it occurs, you say, this is that moment. Help me, God. Father, I thank you, Lord, for people who don't just want to be believers, they truly want to be disciples, God. Thank yes. you for helping Kyle and I yes. to make that shift in ourselves, God, ever trying to not just believe in what you say, but be discipled by what you say, and yes. be discipled by who you are. And God, I pray for the people in this room, Lord, because inevitably they're going to go into their real lives and they're going to spot holes in that wall. They're going to spot things that aren't level. They're going to spot things that are counterfeit. And God, I pray that you would give them stamina of spirit to speak where they need to speak, to stand where they need to stand, to repent where they need to repent, to change where they need to change, to grow where they need to grow, to bow where they need to bow. Yes. Father, I pray that for all of us, Lord, that we would be quick to repent. Quick, quick, quick. Yes. Father, that if you show something to us that's been a part of our wall that's been wrong, that hasn't included the truth, God, I pray that we will be quick to say, God, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me and understand that your forgiveness comes that quick. When we are humble, Father, before you, you can do mighty, mighty things. And you can reestablish a wall in a blink of an eye. And God, that's what I pray for. Yes. A spiritual stamina. Yes. And that you would just really, truly embrace hearts that are shaking today. Yes. There are hearts, Father, yes. that are shaking. Yes. 
And oh, Lord God, I pray, Father, not just for a settling, but a steadying that can only come from the holy hand of God. Yes. Amen. 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 I don't know if I was, right. I was probably supposed to take the offering. I'll do it. No, you did good. You did good. <laughs> See the screens? <laughs> Somebody put something up there about the offering. <laughs> Please. You can give <laughs> however the screens tell you. <laughs> there are little golden boxes when you leave. Put it in there or hold your phone up and do whatever on earth that thing does. You know the drill. Sorry, babe. No, you're this good. Why, I didn't, this is why I need preparation. I, I, had, I had your cover. I had your back. I had your back. <laughs> you did. You did. Church. I was like, when I heard his voice, I was like, he's going to cover me. Thank you. I got you. love you thank you for letting us be able to speak about the hard things because when we tackle the hard things up here <clears throat> we don't have to usually have to tackle them in a counseling room back there precept the command of God line the process of God given over the time of God will build a life that will praise God I love you thank you for coming thank you go home bless God and build a temple of praise to him we'll see you next week we love you church <laughs>